Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. Thank you, guys. That was beautiful. Well, before we begin today, we're going to be in John chapter 13, but I've got two things, two bits of housekeeping that I need to make. And so first, I'm going to read a statement, and then I'm going to tell you another bit of housekeeping. First of all, I'd like to say this. Just last week, we recognized and honored those who have died defending our freedom and those who currently serve to maintain those freedoms. And that includes all branches of the military and also our police officers. And without them, our world, down to our very community and our homes, would be overtaken by the wiles of evil. However, among those who have and continue to serve, there exists a small fraction of those officers who should never have the honor of wearing a military color, a badge, or even holstering a gun. And on May 26th of this year, one such pitiful excuse for law enforcement and a despicable excuse for a human being demonstrated his abuse of power and the level of evil and hatred that exists within him by murdering George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis. Let me state unapologetically that what happened to him at the hands of a spineless evil police officer is disgusting and undefendable. The officer and those who stood by watching this heinous act should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. At the same time, the riots, the looting, the violence, the burning down of businesses, and the destruction of government property is never the answer. Racism is a terrible sin that continues to be a disease that is destroying the, the fabric and the fiber of our country. Racism exists in every variation of color and culture in the world. It is imperative that we do not contri contribute to the problem by our words and actions. It is now, amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, Amidst the arrival of over 150 billion locust devastating parts of Africa and India, it is now amidst our global economic crisis, it is on this world stage that hatred, racism, and evil continues to thrive. And it is on this world stage that we as a church need to pray. And we need to pray more because our world needs it and our God responds to it. We need to love more because our world is starving for it and our God commands it. We need to live by God's word more because we are commanded to do so and our God deserves it. So today, let's begin by praying right now for the hurt that exists in our world, for the delivery of the racism that exists in our world, and for a revival to come in the hearts of those who know God through Jesus' His Son. Join me as we pray. Uh, Father, we come to you again. We thank you that we've had the opportunity to worship you. So many times, God, we worship you in a moment, but then we live otherwise during the moments, the hours, the days of our weeks. God, we pray for those who are hurting right now in the loss of someone that they loved. God, we know that there's people all over the world in this very moment who have lost people that they love. Maybe it's just to disease and sickness of uh, COVID-19. Maybe it's because of racism. Maybe it's because of hatred. Whatever the reason that someone is hurting, God, we lift them up to you. We ask that you would heal our land. God, let the healing begin here with those of us who profess Christianity, those of us who consider ourselves children of God, adopted into your eternal kingdom through Jesus, your son, and his sacrifice 
and His resurrection. God, help us be light bearers, not contributing to the darkness in this world. God, help us be those who would live by Your Word every day so that people will know who our shepherd is, who our king is, and who our God is. And we give you praise in advance for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being a God who listens. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and now I have a, another bit of homework I need to take care of, a little housekeeping. Last week I misstated something and uh, I tried diligently to study and sometimes I miss things. I said last week that apparently Judas had gone back and picked up the coins so he could purchase the potter's field called Akeldama where he would ultimately hang himself and that's not actually true. In Matthew chapter 27, uh, I missed this one in reviewing all the Gospels. It says this, just so we will all know how this happened, the chief priests picked up the coins and they said it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is now blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. So they fulfilled a prophecy and they actually, the priest picked it up and used Judas's money to purchase the field where Judas would hang himself, ultimately fall, and burst open on the ground. So now we're on the same page. You got that behind me? I want you to know that your pastor makes mistakes sometimes, misses things too. And so with that, we are going to move into today's text, which is going to be a continuation of John chapter 13. Now, to begin, I, I got to tell you this story because it's a beautiful picture of the story that we're going to see today. Several years ago, a friend of mine was singing in a quartet, and he was in a New River somewhere up in, uh, up in the woods at a small church, and they were singing, and at the end, they had an altar time. And in these little churches, it gets a little happy sometimes, and it got real happy, and everybody was dancing around. And, and uh, my friend tells me that they were up there singing, and, and the preacher said, if you, need, if you have something in your life that you need delivery from, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray over you. And so this little man came up there and and he said I smoke cigarettes and I've been wanting to quit cigarettes for years and years and I just cannot quit smoking cigarettes and they said well we're gonna pray over you and you're gonna quit those cigarettes today so they prayed over him and so when they finished praying this little man took the cigarettes out of his pocket his name was Otis and he threw them on the ground right there at the altar and he started dancing around on those cigarettes saying Otis has got to do what Otis has got to do and he danced around and around Otis has got to do what Otis has got to do I mean he made a commitment now what does a commitment look like on the after it's all over how does it play out how do the words transition into actions well the service was over and the band was loading the equipment out on the back porch was Otis smoking a cigarette so sometimes our verbal commitment doesn't doesn't ever infect and affect our actions and the motivations of what it is we do and that's what we're going to talk about today it's a beautiful picture of a sad sad story sad sad commentary in the life of someone who knew Jesus somebody who loved Jesus somebody that Jesus wanted to use for something more significant than just a normal life and so the title of the message today is this, The Part 
we all hate we played. The part we all hate we played. In John chapter 13, just to get into the narrative, Judas now has left supper to go make provisions to betray Jesus. And in verse 33, Jesus speaks. He says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer, and you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command, though, I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus has challenged his followers to live differently than the world. Jesus has challenged his followers now to love one another. So the first thing that I want you to see today in the part that we all hate that we have played is this, big words, big words. We've all used them. Now, Peter's going to chime in because Jesus just said, uh, Jesus has just said, I am not going to be with you very long, and I want you to love each other. So Peter's ready. He's got big words. Listen to what he says in verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Now listen to these big words. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Now, how is that for commitment? I will lay down my life for you. Those are awful big words. Big words that many of us have never used, would never choose to use. But in this moment, man, Peter had walked with who he now knew was God in the flesh. Peter had now heard the words of God spoken through a man. Peter had now seen God's word come to fruition in, in the flesh, in the form of Jesus, God's son. He, Peter had been hanging out with God. Now that's just kind of cool. Just hanging out with God. Fishing with God. Walking on the water with God. Feeding thousands with God. Seeing healings by God. Seeing nature calmed in the presence of God. He had been hanging out out with God. And he made this commitment. I will lay down my life for you. Have you ever made a verbal commitment to God like that? Something that is different. Something that's more sizable and significant. Something that seriously, that, that has seriously moved you. It's motivated from something deep within you in that moment that life-changing, hope-giving, barrier-breaking moment of liberation from the thing that has held you back. You're in this moment and, and you just make a verbal commitment because you are so serious about how you feel in the moment and how appreciative, appreciative you are uh, to Jesus for giving you that moment. Now, maybe it's not like Peter's story where you've walked with God side by side for three years. Maybe it was a commitment, a verbal commitment you made on the day or the night that you were saved. And you made a comment like this, I'm a Christian now, I'm never gonna sin again. Well, that was a lie. Or maybe it was when you went to a camp or an event with students as youth, and you said, man, when I get back, I'm gonna tell everybody about Jesus. 
There'll be no more cussing for me. No more R-rated movies. No more pride. No more, no more, no more. You fill in the blank. And maybe it was at an event with a college group or as a young adult. And you made this verbal commitment or a heart commitment that sounded something like this. I am going to be a real follower of Jesus from this moment forward. No more ups and downs. No more volatility in my Christian walk. From this day forward, I'm driving a stake in the ground. I am a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Maybe it was on a Sunday morning during a message and God's Word spoke to your heart. And, and in the moment, man, you, you just think, wow, I've got to start tithing. I've got to be a better dad. I've got to be a better mother, husband, wife. I need to witness more to the people that I work with and those in my family who reject Jesus. I need to go on a mission trip. I need to get saved. I need to be baptized. I need to, you fill in the blank with yours. Maybe when a tragedy has happened and you've lost someone that you love and, and, the, and, and the brevity of life just sinks in and, and you realize, wow, life is, is short and I need to change my priorities. I need to start living differently. Maybe none of those were the moment. Maybe the Holy Spirit just reached down into your, into your life and yanked the strings of your soul and said, this is my expectation for you. And you just knew, wow, this is the moment that me and God have this thing going on. God and I are in this relationship. I know He's speaking to me and I'm speaking to Him. And so we say, God, this is who I am going to be moving forward. There's nothing like it when we know that the God of creation has whispered in our soul. If you've ever experienced a moment like that, would you acknowledge that by blowing your horn? And you're no different than Peter. When that happens and you know it has come from God, you're ready to, to jump in. But you're not satisfied jumping in. You're ready to dive in head first. No swimmies, no float, no checking the water. You, you dive in and you make commitments because you know that God is at, at work in your life inviting you to a place closer inviting you into a deeper part of who He is in relationship with Him. And we state, make statements like this. Here's the question. Have you ever made big verbal commitments to Jesus in your past? If you have, amen or blow your horn. Now often, on the heels of big words, we see something else play out very often. Big doubts. Not yours. Oh no, oh, there is no room for doubt in a soul that's been stirred by the Holy Spirit of God. You are in the game. You have left the bench. You're running down the field. You are a starter in the game of God. No doubts, no reservations. <clears throat> but there are doubts and reservations. Often they're expressed by those around you. They come from an, an outside source. In this case, a pretty credible source. Listen to what happens in verse 38. Jesus now answers Peter and he says, Will you really lay down your life for me? Ah, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Often on the heels of big words comes a big doubt. 
from an outside source. This is a good outside source. It's Jesus. But maybe yours isn't Jesus. Maybe, maybe yours is, it would be your peers. Or maybe at youth camp when you make a commitment that you're going to start telling everybody about Jesus and you're going to start acting like a Christian even in front of those that you go to school with and there's people say, yeah, we'll see. Because they've watched your life. And they say, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. And maybe as an adult, we hear something from the Holy Spirit convicts our heart and we say, I'm going to live differently at work. I'm going to tell the people I work with about Jesus. And, and, and then you go and, and the people at work say, yeah, he's got, he, he had an encounter, but it won't last. We've seen how he really is. I'll put it in real time. What about this one? Kanye West. Anybody know him? Blow your horn. Yeah. He's a billionaire now, just so you know. He's a, a rap star who converted to Christianity. He's a billionaire because of his shoe line manufactured by Adidas in Germany that's called Yeezy. <laughs> there, there's your name. Wouldn't have thought of that one. Okay, so he's a billionaire who's converted to Christianity. I, I saw an interview where somebody asked him, so now you're going to be a, a Christian artist? He said, I'm going to be a Christian everything. And you know what the whole world, including the music world, including the media, including much of the Christianity, you know how they re re respond or reply to such bold words? They have doubts. They say, yeah, we'll see. Let's watch and see if Kanye is really who Kanye says he is. So at every turn, following big words, often we find big doubts. The next thing I want you to see in Scripture is what we often see following big doubts. Because when somebody doubts your new commitment to Jesus, it, it can serve to frustrate you or it can serve to motivate you to step your game up in your commitment. And often what we do in the moment is it steps our game up. I'm going to do, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to do something to hush the naysayers. I'm going to do something that will shut them up about questioning my new commitment, my big words in commitment to my God. So in John chapter 18 now, we're going to, we're going to look in the same narrative, in the same story, in the end of Jesus's earthly life right before he's crucific, uh, crucified and we're going to see an, another point in this message which are big actions. So Peter now is ready to prove his words are real. <clears throat> in John chapter 18 beginning in verse 1 it says when Jesus had finished praying Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. And they were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. And Jesus, knowing that knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it you want? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these other men go. 
This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Now here it is, big action. Verse 10, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, if you want to make a statement about your words of commitment, this is a good way to do it. Whip out a sword, hi-ya, whip off an ear of one of the enemies or the opponents who's coming to get Jesus. <clears throat> How is that to prove your point? You, you, you pull a weapon out that you're not even familiar with. Peter's not a soldier. He's a fisherman. He would have done better throwing a net over the soldiers. But no, he pulls a sword out to go for the heart and instead just botches the whole thing and snips off an ear. Now, when we read the other text and the other gospels, we find out the better part of the story. Jesus reaches over, picks up Malchus's ear, sticks it back on Malchus's head, and says, Peter, this is not how we're going to do this thing. Now, that's a big action. Sometimes we have these big actions, and our big actions will not prove big words. I remember in the 80s, I was a very young man, and I felt the call of God upon my life to be a preacher. And so, Kendra had an uncle who pastored a church. And he had a week-long event, like a revival, where he had young preacher boys come to preach. And for some reason, he invited me. And I was gung-ho. I was a part of a great church. I, could, I felt like God wanted me to do it. I pridefully felt competent and confident to be able to do it. And so I agreed to preach one of those nights. Kendra probably doesn't even remember what I preached on, but boy, I do. Of all of the text in God's Word, somebody who had never preached a message in his life, where would he go? Revelation. The most contentious, the most difficult, the most arguable text book in all of God's eternal sovereign Word. That's where I went. And I made a mess. I probably had 25 pages of notes. And, and it was a gong. But sometimes we want to prove our commitment and we do it through big actions. Now, Jesus tells him to put his swords up, to put his sword up, because he's got something else in store. So I want you to know today the part that we all hate we have played. All of us. Let me just pause right here. If you are a disciple of Jesus today, if you are a Christian, you have played this part. And often, we throw stones at others who don't play that part very well, when in fact, we have all played this part, made a commitment. Somebody doubted us. We wanted to prove it. So we tried to prove it <clears throat> with an action. Now, I want you to see what's next. And it will happen. It has happened. We're in the game. We're trying to prove ourselves. But on the heels of, of big words, big doubts, big actions comes big failure. Now, I'm just going to ask for transparency. Have you ever failed Jesus as a follower? If you have, blow your horn. Some of you all were way too zealous about that answer. All right? We have. We've failed Jesus 
as his disciples. And sometimes we look at other people's failures and we say, boy, that's a biggie. I would never do that. Pride precedeth the fall. Yes, you would. Yes, you have. This is a part we all hate that we have played. Listen to this failure. Big failures. Verse 15 of, of chapter 18. It says, Simon Peter and another disciple now were following Jesus. Because his disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. And the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Verse 17. This is what I call big failure, strike one. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Now, now wait a minute. <laughs> this is the guy who looked at Jesus and said, where are you going and why can I not go? Because I am willing to die for you. Peter may be willing to die for Jesus, but he's not willing to say he knows Jesus. And you know, that's the part we play sometimes. We make commitments. We know, man, I, we talk to ourselves. We talk to the Lord about our commitment to Him. But when the rubber hits the road, often we fail. Strike one. He says, I don't know. I am not a f disciple of His. Now, it's in this moment. See, back it up a little bit. When he made the commitment to Jesus, who was in the neighborhood? Who was in his circle? Other disciples. You see, that's what it feels like when we're surrounded here at church. Man, we make a commitment right here. You can stand up right now and say, I love Jesus and I'll live for him the rest of my life. And we all applaud it because we get it, because we want to participate and support it. It's not when we're surrounded by those with like spirits. It's when we find ourselves at the crossroad where someone disagrees and it's really now uncomfortable to take the stand that we need to stand in. It's like, it's like when you go back to work and we've got people in our work circles right next to us maybe, in our neighborhood, live in the house next door who have a different view of life. It's in those moments when it gets real who we are going to follow. I remember, I've shared this story before, but it's a perfect point for this. I remember when I was in sales and, and we had a bunch of customers, they were all men, and, and we would take them on golf outings. And we were down in South Alabama and these men, Many of them were Christian men, or they said they were, and many of them served in their church. Some were deacons. But when we would go out of town, they would leave that at home, and they would just drink to no end. They would start drinking in the morning, and they would drink until it was all gone or the day was over. And I remember one night after a day of that, I didn't drink. I beat them in golf pretty bad, but not because of it. But I remember the day was over, and they had been drinking all day, and I went back to my room because I didn't have anything in common with them at that point. And I remember I was laying in my room watching TV, and my boss, the vice president of the company, called me, and he says, Joel, I need you to do me a favor. I said, okay. He said, I need you to come and get these guys. 
and take them to a strip club. Okay. And he said, I know you don't believe in those things, but these guys have been drinking all day and they're going. And you're the only one sober enough to drive. I need you to drive them down there. I said, uh, okay. So I hung up the phone and I prayed. Lord, what do I do? This is awkward. What do I do? And the Holy Spirit just said, take them down there. Just don't go in. And then he told me, he convicted me of this. Your testimony is not valid until it's in their presence. Now you talk about awkward. So we get in my van, we loaded them up. There was about eight of us. And we went to a strip club. We got down there and I backed up in the back in the dark, <laughs> turned my tags around in case somebody wanted to take a picture, send it back to my church. And I sat there and I said, all right guys, here we go. Woo, there, here they go. And they started climbing out. And I said, I'll be right here when you get finished. And they said, what? I said, I'll be right here when you get finished. And I sat right there. They came around the other side. No, you're going in. You know, that's how they were talking at this point. You know, there's so much, but so much good becomes of alcohol, I just tell you. And so they said, yeah, well, you're going with us. I said, I'm not going in that place. Why don't you go in there with us? I said, because I got a wife. I have two daughters. I have a church that I serve in. And I have Jesus who just doesn't want me to go in there. But y'all going in there and have yourself a good time. So they all went in there. I stayed in the car. About 20 minutes later, the first one that got convicted came out. Yeah, I don't need to be in there either. I, I got a family at home too. I just kind of be with the boys. I said, I wasn't judging him. I didn't. That's between him and his maker. I said, yeah, okay. He wanted, he, he, it's like I was the priest. He was wanting to confess everything. I'm, I, I'm not your priest, you know. And then here came another one, the second most convicted. Had a family at home, was a deacon in his church. And it, before it was over, we had been there about an hour and a half. All of them came back. I took them back safely to the room. And the next day we played golf. Now, that's what an uncomfortable moment feels like when you're not surrounded with those who really claim Christianity and live according to God's Word. Now, it says in verse 18, It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire, and they, made, uh, they, they had made to keep warm. And Peter also was standing there warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Now move down to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter, our guy, our template, our picture of ourself. Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, and so they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. Strike two. Look down at verse 26. Strike three. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him and said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. In another gospel, in Luke, it says that he cursed them. And you really want to know the hard truth? In Luke chapter 22, it says, As he was cursing and denying that he knew Jesus, the rooster began to crow, and he looked up, and Jesus stared at him. Now tell me, that's not a moment. Tell me, that's not a moment, a life-changing moment, a punch to the gut 
when the one you are denying is standing there looking. It's like sending, typing up an email to your boss or your ex-friend. It's like typing up a text, man, just brutal and vicious, you know, of your real thoughts about this other person. And then you accidentally hit send. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And you can't get it back. There is no retraction of that. And that's the way this moment is. You can't make excuses to Jesus about why and how this scenario unfolded. The damage is done. And, and it hurts. And so it, amidst big failures, amidst big failures, that's where we begin to realize who we really are. Now I want to tell you something. Every follower of Jesus, without exception, <clears throat> battles with their old self, battles with the old man. You see, the Bible says that Jesus, when Jesus comes, behold, all things are passed away and all things are becoming new. But as long as we're in this flesh container, He begins to work on the inside. Our spirit is made new, redeemed, forgiven, made right with God. That is righteousness. But that spirit lives in a body. And the sanctification process, the process of our body conforming to our new spirit has failures in it. I'm telling you it does. For every <clears throat> body, when we go back to the person that we used to be, and maybe we used to have a foul mouth, maybe we used to have a bitter spirit, maybe we used to, uh, to drink and smoke and take things we weren't supposed to. Maybe our life was filled with hatred or frustration. What, whatever that old person looks like, sometimes we just revert back to that old person. And when we do, and when we do, it's a miserable place to be. So, so now what? The part we all hate we played, big words, big doubts, big actions, and big failures leads to number five, Big regrets. Big regrets. Back to Luke 22. It says in verse 60, Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And here is a proper response when we have failed. It says, Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter had choked on the opportunity to stand for the one he called king. Have you ever played that part where the opportunity... You see, we can talk about it. We can create hypothetical environments or scenarios in our mind. Uh, we, can, we can say or hypothesize that we're going to do a great job standing for Christ. But in the moment when it gets real, or in the moment when the reality strikes, where we can in fact testify for Jesus, witness about our relationship with Him, did we pass the test? Or... Is this the part we hate we played? Now, I don't have to ask that question and look for an answer because I know it's true for everybody. I've played the part way too many times, even as a preacher. 
I might be somewhere and somebody, the Holy Spirit just convicts my heart to share Jesus with them. And I fight it and I fight it and I fight it. And ultimately, I get to the place where I either obey or I deny. Clark, if it's all right, I'm going to tell your story at the beach. Uh, Clark was talking to me the other day. He's teaching the young people, the students, about sharing about Jesus. And he said he, they were on vacation, and he met a guy at the beach, the guy that takes care of the chairs and the umbrellas. And he said he just felt compelled that he was supposed to talk to him about Jesus. And so he had a first conversation with him, and it didn't lead to Jesus. It was just a friendly conversation. And he didn't say this, but I know how this works. You justify not talking about Jesus by thinking in your mind, well, I'll build a relationship first. I don't want to just come right out of the chute, you know, with Jesus. I want to let him know that I care. I'm a friendly guy. You know, I'm not a weirdo. I, you know, and then and that just kind of tills the ground up so the seed will take. Next day came and he's on his balcony praying for him and he feels like, man, I, I need to go down there and talk to him about Jesus. And I don't think he did it that day. But there was a day that came where he knew he had to get off the balcony. So he walked down to the beach and he told this young, he started talking to this young man again and it led to a conversation about his faith in Jesus. And the way he left it, he prayed for him and he, the guy said that he was going to start reading his Bible more and that he had a faith but he hadn't been living by it. Clark shared some of his testimony. Now listen to me. Every single person has played this part and hated it if they are truly a follower of Jesus because we have been commanded to be witnesses to shine our light in a dark world and days come and days go and we don't shine our light we might shine our light in the comfort of our home we might shine our light in the beauty of a Sunday morning at church but in the world that's darkest and needs it the most Often, we never share that great light and the message of who Jesus is. Big words, big doubts, big actions, big failures, big regrets. And that's where we're going to land this thing today. And we're going to finish this message next week. I want you to come back because it gets real good as we continue to look in the life of Peter. Join me as we pray. Maybe you're here today and you're living in that world of big regrets right now. You know in your heart that the big words of commitment that you've made in the past, they just haven't come to fruition. Things have gotten in the way. You've reverted back to your old self and you just aren't doing what it is you said you would do. And maybe because of it, those failures, those moments that you choked, that you weren't the person that Jesus wanted you to be, you weren't the person that you committed to be, and you're living in regrets. I want you to know something. The story doesn't end in your big regrets. I want you to know something. Your Regrets may describe your past, but they do not define your future. Father, we come to you. I pray for those who may be walking in regrets right now.
They may have had failures in their Christian journey. Not just one, but many. Father, I thank you that you love us as much on our most miserable failure of a day as you do on the day that we think we just careered it as a follower of Jesus because your love never changes. Thank you for being a God who, who is love, love that transcends our mistakes and failures. God, help us understand that you are always ready and willing to receive us and to propel us onto the next part of the journey that you have written in our life. We thank you for loving us. I thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for this beautiful morning you've given us. I pray that everybody here will live boldly, proudly, and loudly for you during this coming week. And we give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. 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 Hey, thank you so much for coming today. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon and a wonderful week. And enjoy this beautiful day. We love you, and we'll see you next week for the second half of this message. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.